All right, welcome back. January 15th, 15th. Yep. Okay. No more Happy New Year. Yeah, no more. (laughs) No more um, Happy New Year. Wait Um, until we're in June and I'm throwing that at you. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. It really doesn't. Um, Yeah, so I mean, my days are just getting mixed up here. Um, It's been, uh, you you know, it's been a busy week for both of us. We we have some good stuff coming up. yeah, so, I mean, we, we got the hot take six, uh, got a big NFL preview, obviously, and, um, you know, let's not forget, let's not forget, we got a great interview today. A great interview, one that, I don't want to say it went off the rails, because I don't think it went off the rails, but it went exactly where it was supposed to, but it was so fun, just to just to listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> the best way to describe it. Um, so, let's dive right into it. Um is it my week or is it your week on hot take six? You know, I know we had this discussion and I went first. I went first with um, our buy or sell. So why don't you go first with the hot okay. take six? We'll mix it up. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. way we each get a, each get a first there. First hot take. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase Young next year will win um, not only defensive player of the year, but he will win MVP. Ooh. Um, and I know that's nuclear uh to uh so to speak but uh i mean look man he's changed he's a he's a rookie and he's changed the whole team on the defensive side of the ball in one season with the way that he plays and he's like firing people up he's a captain in his rookie year i mean he he just he looks the part he plays the part he's a he's just a behemoth on the defensive side of the ball and getting to the to the quarterback um and watching him against tampa last weekend he just has a different kind of energy to him, right? He has the the kind of um, – it almost gives me, like, a remnants of, like, when J.J. came into the league and um, had swagger because J.J. was just playing out of this world. That's what he has, just massive swagger. And, um, you know, if they can get a quarterback, you know, obviously uh, look out. But, um, yeah, that that's uh, – I know that's pretty nuclear to start, but uh, we're, we're coming in hot. Are you starting with your hottest take? Because that's that's some big-time stuff. I love that. But, you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, certainly to win Defensive Player of the Year. Look, the guy, the guy's going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. I mean, there are other great candidates, but he's he's the best one, no doubt. Now, looking at the MVP race, um, you know, yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some viable candidates there. Patrick Mahomes would like to have a word, but – Chase Young, Chase Young's a difference maker. And and you said it too with the way that he kind of brings it to the defensive line. I think about the I think about the play against Tampa Bay last weekend where he basically sprinted down the sideline after Taylor Heineke jumped in the end zone. Everybody knows the Heineke dive, but I, I like to think too of the Chase Young pointing at his name because that's the kind of leader that he is. And I love that. It's you're right, it is a swagger. It's it's he's a difference maker. He's fun to watch, he's enjoyable to watch. Um the only thing that concerns me with him, it, just like any other defensive player, is, is then you're going to have to start scheming him on a double team. So it's going to open up other guys. But, I mean, the, the best of the best find a way around it, right? Aaron Donald still as dominant as ever, and you can't block him. I mean, man, you probably can't even block him with three people sometimes. So Chase Young's only going to continue to get better, and now might be, a, might be an MVP candidate next year. Yeah, uh, nuclear take to start. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So 
I actually have, I, I wrote down one for my mild take, uh, but then we got a little bit of news. So then I wrote down a second one for my mild take too. So I actually have two here. Uh, so we can quickly discuss the, the mild takes. Uh, the one that I wrote down uh, was that the Nets, with the news of James Harden now going to Brooklyn uh, to play with KD and Kyrie, that the Nets will make and lose the NBA title this year. So they will make it from the East, but they will lose the NBA title uh, to presumably, I think, would probably be the Lakers again. But uh, I'm, you know, I'm not here to give a hot take on the West, uh, if you will. So uh, I don't know if you want to address that one first, just because, you know, you, you look at just on our meeting here, you look like you have a little bit of a almost like a bad taste. You think it's going to be the Knicks? <laughs> well, I mean, um, <laughs> uh, by the way, it's uh, – Speaking of the, the Knicks uh, basketball minute brought to you by me, no sponsor on that, just brought to you by me. Um, look, we, we won three in a row and we've lost four straight. But the, the problem is we have played well against bad competition. And look, they still have me excited, but next week is, is really where, where the nitty gritty comes into. And that's where the Knicks start to fall apart and will probably put me back down the rabbit hole of anger because the problem is um, they, when they miss, they go on massive cold streaks and Julius Randle's still not the A plus player. Like he's averaging double doubles, but that's, he's not a plus. He's not going to get a max contract next summer. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not a max contract guy. The problem is as well, they're so defensive focused under Tom Thibodeau, which is great. But in Tom Thibodeau teams, you look at Tom Thibodeau teams in the past, Tom Thibodeau teams don't have perimeter shooters or guys that can score outside the paint. And, you know, I, I, that's the next minute. That's the next minute. Not going to go past the minute on that, but uh, that's the next minute. Uh, no, I, I don't want to get into the Brooklyn thing too much because we talk about that in the interview. But here's the thing. What I'll say, and, you know, I, I, you know we talk about it in, in, in the interview a little bit. Uh, well, a lot. But they they're going to crater. That's my opinion that they're going to crater because that, that that's what I'll say. I'll, I'll save, I'll save it. I know that's not the ideal for the segment, but I'll save my thoughts because we do talk about it in the inter interview, but they're, they're going to crater and it, it's going to be a massive crumble because at the end of the day, you have three guys who need the ball and we know who Batman is. We don't know who Robin is and we don't know who the third is. And that's a problem when you have a big three in any team in NBA. Um, and look, I just, I, yeah, I'll, I'll save it for the interview, but yeah. I, I, I know that's not ideal for our segment, but. Well, yeah, I, I know there's a lot coming up in the interview with it, with, um, with YouTube, but I just think with the talent that they have there now, I think it's hard to see them not doing it, you know, barring anything crazy. I mean, the East certainly has its its top-tier teams. and Milwaukee's going to make it to the finals, I think. Okay. So we have uh, we have two crystal balls there. One, one says yeah. the Nets and one says the Milwaukee. Well, so this one, just quickly, this one. Um, all right. So with my other one here, I know we have – this is a little bit of breaking news here. As, as we're recording it today, it's breaking news, but it, it will be um, in the news cycle tomorrow. But uh, Ryan, Urban Meyer is now 
officially the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and, and my hot take in this is that I think Urban lasts less than five years in the NFL. I, I don't think this is an experiment that's, that's built to work at the NFL level and, and college coaches uh, that have that much success don't typically do as well at the next level. He'll be fired after one season. Um, I, uh, I don't think it's going to work. Um, that, that's all I got to say about Urban because it, it's just going to crater. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting situation, right? Because there's this also brings up the topic of, um, you know, do they take Trevor Lawrence? Or do they take Justin Fields? Because Urban was the coach whenever they were recruiting Justin Fields, so that that's a possibility. But, you know, you just look at you just look at the NFL level and the differences with college, and we've touched on it before. But when you have more control over your players and you can kind of have a pool of the best talent, it makes it so much easier. Uh, and certainly, wouldn't NFL teams be better if they had ten first round picks? I mean, that's that's kind of the, <laughs> the theory of what it's like to be a, a major power in college football. But the, the two main places that he's been that, that people remember are certainly he had a great career at Utah. But uh, with Florida and Ohio State, I mean, look, they're national powers. They're two of the best teams in the nation at their respective times. And when you have access to those scholarships and those players and players want to win national championships, they're going to come to you. But in the NFL, you're, you're kind of piecing a team together, and that really puts your coaching to the task. And uh, I'm certainly not saying that he's, a, that, a, that he's a bad coach. The evidence proves against that. But, look, the NFL is a different monster, and, and I, just, I just don't see him having the same success. I think of Nick Saban uh, just not having the same success at the NFL level. And, look, Urban's a great college coach, but I think um, – you're saying one year. That's that. That might be a hot take in itself too. I, I'm giving him less than five, and you're saying one. I'm 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 in for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one year. One year. Um, um, well, well, now we all know how I feel about Urban. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't realize I was gonna I was gonna bring some bring some heat into the show. We didn't yeah. need wing flavors. I just needed to break a little news to you there, Ryan. Yeah. Um, so. Ryan, I, I uh, maybe this isn't a good topic for you, but I um, the the Tiger documentary um, mm -hmm. on HBO. I'm a big Tiger guy, and hot take for you. You know, some people say it's good, some people say it's great, some people say, "Oh my gosh, you're learning so much about Tiger." Hot take for you: it's a hit piece, is what it is, um, because there's so many moments in in the documentary where they're like oh my gosh, Tiger never had time for me. Ti Tiger, he, he focused too much on golf. And one of his girlfriends from, I guess, like high school. Um, now keep in mind, Tiger, it'd be different if he was interviewed, but he didn't want a part of it. Now I kind of can see why, but there's a part where his girlfriend's like, Tiger used to tell me all the time that golf is my social escape and, and it helps me connect with people. And, you know, when I go out there, I just feel, you know, powerful. And I would tell Tiger, you need social skills. You're not prepared for this life. Uh, to me, that doesn't tell me anything. Like, and, and they kept bashing his, they kept bashing his dad. And, and like, this is, there's two parts. So the second part, I'm going to watch the second part, but they keep bashing his, his parents and they keep saying, Earl was so tough on him. Earl used to bring ladies around the golf course all the time and stuff like that. I mean, come on, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, you know, it could be hearsay, could be true. I don't know. But, you know, and then they used to say, well, Tiger's parents were so strict that they didn't let him have any fun. All it was was golf, 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 golf. 
there, there's like no substance and like, I want to love it. I really do. But it just feels like more like tearing the guy down. And you know how they tease the, the next part, the scandal, the, the, the scandal of everything that happened after the car wreck. And that, that's not a documentary that builds someone up. That's some, that's something that tears someone down. And it's, it's a shame because to me, he's my favorite golfer of all time outside of a couple guys like Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, stuff like that. You know, of course, Arnie Palmer, um, which we both love the drink, Arnold Palmer. I know, you, I know our fans can't see it right now, but that's what I drink pretty much every episode. So uh, Arnold Palmer, if you'd like to sponsor us, I'm, I'm already a fan. I mean, my question for you is like, do you enjoy stuff like this where there's not even like playing both sides? It's it, it, it feels like they are completely tearing him down. And I, look, it may it be completely different to me if one of two things. A, he was a part of it. He didn't want to be a part of it. Right. He's not in it. And B, so far in the first part, there has been no like Nike sponsor like a guy like marketing PR guy, like in the thing, it's just been all tiger friend, tiger friend, family friend. And there's only been like five or six people. And none of those people are like from Nike or his team or the, the really only person I believe in the first part to tell you the truth is his caddy, Steve Williams. That's the only guy who talks good things about him. So let's look at this two different ways, right? Number one documentaries as much as they mean to tell an entire story are only typically told through one lens. You are, when you, when you watch a documentary, you want to believe that it, it sees all sides, <clears throat> excuse me, but it, it doesn't typically, it usually just looks at it from one side. And, you know, there, there are more than one documentaries on, on certain people, but you know, it's, I think it's unfair to look at tiger just for his, you know, I don't want to say, um, vices that's not the right word but you know i don't want to look at tiger just for his missteps i mean that's part of who he is sure i mean you know we we understand the scandal and we know that that happened and that was an unfortunate time for him um maybe it was deserved based on what happened but that that's not the whole story i mean how can you tell a tiger how can you physically do a tiger woods documentary and not talk about his run from like 1997 to 2001 where he's 200 shots better than every other golfer in the world. Something that's never going to happen again. It, they briefly touch on it and they, they only talk about the tiger, the tiger slam for five minutes. I rewinded it, counted it. They only talk about it for five minutes. Everything else is about like him not having social skills, him not being prepared for life. So, so on and so forth. The tiger slam is the greatest year of golf that a golfer's ever put together. It's never been done before him and it's never been done since it might be done down the road, but to win four majors in a calendar year and you're only talking about it for five minutes. Come on, man. Right. I mean, that's, that's, and, and you know, understand for our listeners and for you, I know, you know, this Ryan, but I'm not a huge golf guy, but of course we know who Tiger Woods is. Come on. He's, he's probably the greatest golfer ever. There's, there's hardly any debate about that. His run from those years is amazing. And, and to just put him in a corner of being like, Oh, he has no social skills and he just wanted to play golf. Well, you know what? It uh, worked out for him. He had a pretty good run there for a while, made a couple probably billion dollars off of his advertisement deals and everything that he did. So, um, you know, you're just going to have to get over that. But, again, I understand that the scandal is part of it, and I understand that that's factors into who he is. I understand that that's what happens with people that have that. But it's still not the whole story. You need to, you need to tell the whole thing in a, in a wider scope. 
because if you're doing a Tiger Woods documentary and not talking about, and you're not talking about the actual golfer, talking about it for five minutes, you you've severely misrepresented the person that he is. And, and that even probably does more harm than anything because, you know, again, you're just not, you're just not telling the whole story. Yeah. And last thing I'll say, and like I said, I'm going to watch the second part, but last thing I'll say his girlfriend that he dated in high school, the one that said, you know, he doesn't have social skills and those kind of things. Uh, you know, that she told him that in high school, or whatever. She said, you know, Tiger used to not want to stay at his parents' house because they were, they were so strict on him and all they did was make him play golf. And so he used to just come to my house and let loose and, you know, and, and just have a good time. And, you know, so, and then they show this breakup letter that Tiger wrote for her. And she said, you know, I know that wasn't from him. I know that was from his parents forcing him to break up with me. And it's like, come on, man. Like we feel like, you know, paparazzi stuff here. If you're an NFL hall of famer, I just think terms of football, because that's the sport that I love, but this could be applied to any sport, right? Say, you know, you make the NFL hall of fame, you have a great career MLB. I don't care. Apply it to whatever sport you want to do it. Would you really want your high school girlfriend being the one that's going to talk to you on, on your story? No. I mean, look, I, and, and we talked about this off air, but like, you know, when I, I, when I look back at high school, you know, certainly I have a lot of respect and adoration for the people that I've dated. I, I don't hate those people, but I don't think it's fair to let somebody that, that you dated, you know, in, in our case, you know, 10 years ago now tell, tell our story. There's, there's so much that they've missed. How do you, how do you do this? How do you let that happen? But that's, that's how documentaries are only told through one, through one lens. And I just, I, I couldn't do that. I, I'm not even sure I want to watch it if that's the case, because it will probably just upset me. And, and again, I'm not even a big golf person, but that's just neither here nor there. All right. So moving into another sport here, we're, we're going to cover a bunch of sports here today in our hot takes, apparently. So my, my medium take actually does with the NHL coming back. So the NHL is back and we have a um, season underway here now. And, and we've talked about it a little bit on the show, but uh, based on the results from a couple nights ago, my, my medium take is, is that the Pittsburgh Penguins will miss the playoffs uh, for the first time since, I believe, 2005. So um, 15 or so seasons that they won't make the playoffs. And the reason that I say that is because they are probably in the toughest division of this division realignment. And, and it's going to show that they don't have that same that same depth of talent that they had on their championship teams. And look, when you're talking about a division that features an up-and-coming team like Philadelphia that they lost to on Wednesday, it's going to happen. I know the Bruins are, are – I use this term loosely – rebuilding a little bit because they still have a lot of great talent. They've just lost some of their um, some of their key pieces. But uh, the Islanders with Barry Trotz and then the Rangers have all the talent in the world. The Capitals are the Capitals. The Penguins might be on the outside looking in this year in the playoffs and uh, – you know, based on last, I, maybe this is an overreaction as a fan, but I think that the East might be very challenging for a team like the Penguins in, in 2021. Well, it's only one game. I mean, they lost 6-3. Um, the division realignment is going to be interesting. You saw it play out last night, how interesting it was. You know what I mean? Chicago playing Tampa Bay, Philly playing Pittsburgh. Um, it, it's it's going to be different. The, the, the interesting thing is I think um, Sidney Crosby maybe has a couple years left. I don't know, maybe three or four, um, because he's been doing it for a while now, right? In, in you know, almost 20 years, right? Something like that. Uh, I um, think they said this was his 16th season. Yeah, so um, they're 
on the tail end of the championship window before they have to re- rebuild and tear it all down. And the Capitals, you know, outside of Ovechkin, TJ Oshie, you know what I mean? You know, that that's really the only guy that comes to mind as it, it's going to be all different. And going with the 50-some game season, Look, we'll see. We'll see. I, but Philly's, Philly's the cream of the crop um, outside of Tampa, and they could have made the Stanley Cup last year. Philly could have. And Tampa was just simply better. Um, I think and, Philly was just a year or two too young. Yeah. And last year. That team's very dangerous going forward, and so is Tampa. Steven Stamkos looked fantastic last night. They, they retained a lot of their talent and, and they're, they have to be the favorites to win the cup, but it's just, you're right. It's a tough division. It's, it's not going to be easy. There's a lot of fast teams and, you know, playing about this, playing more games and less days is just, that's going to be a grind. And especially when you have older guys that are kind of your core of your team, like Crosby and Malkin and Matang it very well could very well be a, a challenging year. So typically the hot takes, you know, I mean, hey, we didn't limit it to, to just sports. Um, hot take. Okay. Um, my next one is Netflix. Um, they are releasing a movie every single week throughout the year. They did this uh, with comedy specials um, last year where a comedy special came out every single Tuesday of the year and a movie starting at the end of January, I believe, is going to come out every single Friday. Um, look, Netflix hits on some things and misses on a lot, uh, because their budget is so massive. They can continue to just, you know, churn out whatever, but the hot take is, I feel like out of all those movies, what, I mean, there's 52 weeks in a year, right? Out of all those movies that's getting released once a week, I don't know, out of those 52, I'd probably say five or six of them are are watchable. I mean, I think I only watched one Netflix film last year, and it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Um, I know you have Netflix, so if you have a chance, if you're an action movie guy, uh, Extraction uh, with uh, Chris Hemsworth, who uh, who was Thor. Um, basically, it's just run and gun type of movie. I mean, there's a plot, but I mean, he he's trying to get this kid to safety essentially, and it's it's like Die Hard in a way, um, kinda, but you know, more intense. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Netflix's budget is so massive. I feel like they're just churning out whatever, and they're going to take over the universe when they can. Um, while Disney is over here, literally being Thanos and trying to snatch up anything that they can. Um, we got two mega giants going between each other. One's to, trying to develop in Disney TV series from Marvel and Star Wars, right? Everything under the sun that has a character they're trying to develop a series for. On the other hand, Netflix is just churning out hey anything and everything. So is this is this going to be like um, to to compare it here? Uh, is this going to be like whenever Hallmark announces in November that they're going to have a different Christmas movie every weeknight <laughs> leading up to Christmas? And you're like, I bet I bet I can guess this. Uh, so let me guess. The woman in the plot line is overworked. She needs to find somebody. They put together this Christmas town. She finds a guy and they get together. I think I've described every every Hallmark that, Christmas movie. That's every movie. Christmas movie ever on Hallmark. <clears throat> right. 
Now, I understand that they're feel good. I'm not trying to bash people. If you want to feel good, watch a Hallmark movie. I get that. But I, I feel like if you're if you're churning out 50, 52 movies like that, you're right. It's probably not going to be a lot of them that are great and, and less of them that have a great plot line. Um, the one thing I will say for that, though, is hopefully, without knowing any of these releases, hopefully there's at least some original content in there. That's all that I can hope for is, is that there's some original ideas that, that Hollywood can build on because I've, we've said this before, but I'm just, I'm tired of remakes. I'm sick of remakes. I don't need to see another Top Gun. I don't need to see another Ghostbusters. I'm, I'm just, give me something different. Give me an original idea. And you know what? Maybe Netflix will put out a great watchable movie that I'll, that I'll move into my favorites, but I, I guess that's kind of to be seen, but I'm, I'm not overly sold on this idea, to be honest. The only uh, clip in the trailer, and you know, it's a bunch of different mini clips from all 52 movies. You know what I mean? That's the only way that would have worked. But uh, the only movie that looks, uh, on the surface anyway, uh, very entertaining right away is um, a movie I've actually been waiting for for a while, um, Red Notice, with uh, The Rock, Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, and uh, Ryan Reynolds. Um, and, uh, you know, if The Rock's in something, it's probably gonna be action-based and try to throw a little comedy in there were any of them sports movies Ooh, i i don't think so oh well i'm out <laughs> that's all you had to say <laughs> that's all you had to say uh no I'll, I'll give one a chance if, if if they get a good review but um so coming into my last hot take here now we could have never known this we actually don't necessarily talk um before the show to do this but my my hot take plays right off one of yours, actually, believe it or not. Um, I wrote down as my hottest take is, is that in the year 2021, that Tiger Woods will win another major. Because I think I that, that you had that on there. I know. I, I wrote that down. That was my hottest take because. <clears throat> look, I know people were saying that the Masters, uh, what was that last 2000? 19 i know well, that they're no, saying, with, with, well they had the masters last fall well the one that he won was it 2000 2019 okay so i know that people have said that the 2019 masters was a fluke but you know historically speaking other golfers have won at his age or even later they've won majors so I see no reason that the greatest golfer potentially of all time does not come back in 2021. And, you know, maybe it is crazy. Maybe I'm nuts, but I don't see any reason why Tiger Woods can't come out in a more normal systematic year with a normal training regiment that he's been able to do with rest now and win another major title in 2021. Yeah, I certainly hope. Um, it, it also depends on how they do things with majors this year because um, golf is a little different. Um, they got three out of the four in last year, right? They couldn't go to the UK. Um, he's played well at the British Open the last couple of years that they've had it there in 2019 and 2018, um, both on uh, the first two days before moving day on Saturday. Um, he would be in the top 10. And then in 2019, he was actually, um, or 2018, excuse me, on that final Sunday, he was wearing his classic red and he was in the top five. I just... The thing is, there's so many good golfers. You got Brooks Kepka, you got Adam Scott, who still play. You know, look, Adam Scott hasn't won a major in a while, but Adam Scott plays well. You got Bryson DeChambeau, who I actually think, um, for what it's worth, could win another one. But he feels like a like a 
not a top tier golfer. He feels like more like a middle of the road because his power is so good on his drive. Um, but then you got Justin Thomas, you got Jordan Spieth, who I think Jordan Spieth hasn't won a major in forever. And I feel like this might be the year that he's going to get back, back on track because Jordan, let's be honest, that 2015 year is as close as you can come to of having a fantastic year of golf. Like he did in 2015 or 2014, one of those years. And look, let's not forget a couple years ago, he quadruple bogeyed at, at Augusta or he would have won the masters back to back. So you got guys like him. You got guys like Rory, Ricky Fowler. I would love to see Ricky Fowler win a major. Um, Ricky's always in the mix, but never, never can seem to get one. Unfortunately, I just, I feel like uh, when he won the masters a couple years ago, if he never wins one again, that'll be okay with me. Probably not okay with him, but okay with me as a fan. I would like to see him win one. If it is one that he does win this year, I'd like to see him win um, the U S open at Pebble beach. Um, Cause I think it is at Pebble Beach this year, but I'd like to see him win the U.S. Open because that is a course um, that's a major he hasn't won since 2008. was was the last major he won before the Masters. So let's let's get let's get even hotter. Let's say Tiger Woods and Ricky Fowler both won a major in 2021. I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling hot tonight. I'm down. How can I'll you for Ricky Fowler though? The guy is just he he's always in the mix, but he can't get it for some reason. I don't know. Still making a lot of money on his deals. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about that. <laughs> um, so that's uh, the hot take six. Um, but uh, Ryan, uh, tell, tell everyone who we uh, have on the show today. I mean, we, we talked about the interview at the top, but tell them it's, uh, it's a little different. It's, it's a lot of fun, though, and it was, it was certainly fun to listen to. Uh, we have Amin El Hassan, and Amin El Hassan is a former executive uh, in the NBA, and he's an NBA guy. He was on ESPN. He's on the Levitard show now, but uh, also a noted Star Wars fan. So for those who are Star Wars fans, as well as NBA fans, uh, you are going to love this interview. If you're one or the other, Star Wars is kind of the front half of this, and NBA is kind of the back half. But uh, we, we started off kind of off air with a little bit of a hot take alert, and, and that's what we kind of jump in with the interview. We actually had to hit record as soon as we got to this because – uh, I mean, told us, he said, I want this to be in the recording. So we, we had to jump in and do it, but it is a great interview. I hope that you all enjoy it as much as we did uh, recording it. And now our interview with Amin El Hassan. All right. So we now welcome on, uh, we now welcome on former front office executive for the, for the NBA's Phoenix Suns, ESPN analyst. Uh, now with the Dan Levitard show, Amin El Hassan. Amin, welcome to the two Ryan sports show. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Yeah, and, and I know we were – yeah, it, it works It works both ways, Ryan squared. But uh, we, we were just talking off air before we came on here and uh, talking a little bit about Star Wars. So I'm, I'm going to kind of let you go here and, and tell the folks what uh, what you're thinking about Boba Fett because we, we want that in, in the recording. Okay, so, like, this, this is my whole theory on Boba Fett. I'm older, right, so – I grew up, the Star Wars that I grew up with, the first movie I saw was Return of the Jedi. I saw that in the theater, right, as a child. And then over time, I watched the other movies. We had them on tape, and I watched them millions of times. That's how I became a Star Wars fan. I didn't really read the books. I didn't really uh, read the comics. And honestly, a lot of stuff weren't really readily available. So up until the prequels came out, the only Boba Fett you got 
was like him standing on the uh on uh uh Vader's uh star destroyer the uh what's it called the Venator Death, uh, or whatever Death Star. Yeah, not on the Death Star. They weren't on the Death Star, they were on the ship on oh. Vader's ship. Yeah, that's right. And it's him and it's IG eighty eight and it's like all these other bounty hunters, uh Bosk and all those guys, right? And he doesn't say a word. And all we got is Vader walking by and he turns and looks at Boba and says, No disintegrations, right? And then the next time we see Boba Fett is was when he's tailing the Millennium Falcon after they left off with the trash, right? And then the next time we see him is on Cloud City in my painting right here next to Vader. And the next time we see him is when Vader says, we're going to, you know, let's, uh, we're going to test it on Captain Solo, the, uh, the, uh, 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 the carbon freeze, right? right? And Boba says, oh, wait about me. Like, I don't want my prized, you know, bounty to be damaged. And Vader says, we'll compensate you. And then finally we see him return to the Jedi with his arms crossed. And then when he dies, the guy had like three lines in the whole three movies. And there was like, Boba Fett's my favorite character. Like, from what? From where? From his three lines and his crossed arms and his stolen ass armor from the Mandalorians? He's not even a real Mandalorian. So why do you like him so much, right? And then if you watch the Clone Wars, the whether you watch Attack of the Clones, he's a child, a snotty, really obnoxious child. He is. If you watch the Clone Wars, the animated show, which is amazing. Fantastic. And I, like, like Star Wars, watch it. And it gives a lot more depth and character development to everybody. I mean, everybody. But even in that, I'm like, Boba's a bitch, man. Like, he's like 12. And, like, he's getting pushed over. And why are these grown people listening to him even? And whatever. So it's just like one of those things where it's like, he looks cool. But once you discover Mandalorians, you realize, well, that's not his look. So I was like, why do we like this guy? Why do we like him? I don't know. So you tell Dude. me, Ryan. You you got a tattoo. Why do yeah, you I'm, like I'm, him? So I'm backing yeah, out of this cool. one, Ryan. This one's all you. I'm this this seems like a contentious battle here. <laughs> yeah, so I'm working on a whole Star Wars sleeve. I got hope for new hope at the top. I got Boba Fett, and then I'm gonna work with Darth Maul, Ahsoka Tano, and just you know go like uh, one more character after that. Maybe Yoda. Yoda seems pretty cliche for Star Wars tattoos. So I'm gonna tell you right now, real quick, Yoda, biggest fraud of them all. He is. He, well, yeah. I, I, Yoda <laughs> sat sat in a room with Palpatine. Yeah. No, broke the Jedi Council. He sat in a room with the Dark Lord of the Sith, and that motherfucker. This is how much fucking Palpatine was running up the score. He literally asked, Yoda, what do you think? And Yoda says, oh, I don't know. The dark side is clouding everything. He's right in front of you. That's how he's right there. He's like, what more do you need? What more do you need? No, Yoda's a fucking fraud. Obi-Wan just starts shit. He's a fucking fraud. I'm going to tell you right now. You know who I got, thought, I got thoughts on Obi Wan and uh, Anakin. That that series is going to be good, but it's ridiculous that they're bringing Anakin back because his character, as far as like the way his story went, and now we're going to yeah. see them fight. And I, I feel like it's just not going to work well, but everyone's going to love it. Like, I, I, yeah, it's fan service. It's definitely fan service if they ever interact because the whole point is in A New Hope. You see Obi Wan uh, come out, and Vader sees him. And first of all, before he even sees him, he says, 
I sense something, a presence I haven't felt since, and he walks away. And then he figures out it's Obi-Wan, and he tells uh, Tarkin, he says, hey, you know, like, Obi-Wan's here. The Force is with him. I got to face him alone, right? These are all the grudge max things, right? Like, I haven't seen this motherfucker since he made me a sushi roll. And, I, <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm here to fuck him up. And when he finally sees him, and this is, this is the great thing about Star Wars is that with enough content, you can reverse engineer anything, right? The original version of A New Hope, Obi-Wan fights uh, uh, Darth Vader, and it's very stiff because the actor who plays Darth Vader, other Ryan, I'm going to just give you a little, because you're the non-Star Wars guy, I'm going to explain this. The guy who plays Darth Vader literally had back surgery. And so he physically could not move. And so he's very stiff. But when you retcon everything with all the other shit around it, it makes sense because this is a guy who literally hasn't seen this person since he made him into a sushi roll. And you're like, you know what? No matter how much badass you are, if you lost your older brother in the driveway every single time playing one-on-one, -on -one, the first time you saw him after 15, 20 years, I don't give a fuck how nice you are. You're still kind of like, well, he still has that one move. I got I to gotta be cautious. And so it makes sense if he hasn't seen him. If they make this series, which I'm excited for, but if they make it and all of a sudden these guys are interacting every other week, it robs that. It robs the idea that Darth Vader has been building his whole life. Of like, next time I see Obi-Wan, I'm going to fuck him up. And then you see him like, oh, shit, he's here. Okay, don't be scared. Kind of play cool. Like, uh, I've been I'm You were the master, and now, I, now I'm the master. Like, these are all the words of someone who's fucking terrified. He's talking a big game, right? But if I've seen him multiple times in the last 20 years, then it's not so much of a big game. And I'll tell you real quick why I love Boba so much. In the Obi-Wan series, it's, it's kind of crazy. It starts shooting in two weeks from now. Two weeks from now in UK yeah. where restrictions are so much tighter. But out of all the Star Wars series that they've announced over the next like three, four, five years, that Rogue One series uh, with Assy and Can uh, oh, Kandor, that one's, that's that going to be fantastic. Already, it's that's gonna already be in production. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Patty Jenkins' Rogue One see, um, you know, squadron fighter is going to be great as well. But no, look, the reason I love Boba Fett is he just battles through everything. If you look at Attack of the Clones, as terrible as it is out of all the movies, he, he goes through the process, right, of just having like a tough dad, and he's just this crazy badass bounty hunter. And that's way before... Is he, even, that's is he badass? He, he's a whiny kid. And that's way before they, a, they brought him back in Mando. That's way before they brought him back. No, in Mando, he's cool. But everything between... I guess Empire Strikes Back because he wasn't even badass in Return of the Jedi. He got his ass whooped real quick. Right. So everything between Empire Strikes Back and I would say The Mandalorian. He's a bitch, man. The whole time, like, I'm like, I'm not impressed by this guy at all, at all. There, I said it. Star Wars fans, come at me at Darth Amin, Dark Lord <laughs> of the Sith. Well, let me, <laughs> let me ask you before we get into NBA talk. What do you think of my my next two on my Star Wars sleeve, Ahsoka? Um, and uh, Darth, what, what do you think about them? Because Darth well, Maul know, deserves his own series. Well, yeah, I mean, no, he, was in a, he was in the Clone Wars, but yeah, and he's and he's in Rebels, uh, and yeah. he's in Solo, I guess, as a you know, like a, right. a teaser or whatever. Cameo, right. But but uh, like, look, I love Maul. Maul's great. I love every character in Star Wars that has to go through like kind of a, a 
a character arc. So Vader's my favorite because it's to me it's a story of how the most gifted among us can be a piece of shit, and then still the biggest piece of shit of among us can still have um, this redemption, right? Uh, I my second favorite character might be uh, uh, Saul Guerrero. Because Saul's the same thing. Saul's a guy with ideals about freedom and we're not we're gonna stand up to tyranny, but you see how that shit pushes you to extremism and extremism makes him go crazy. And then at the very end, it's kind of there, there's an element of redemption there. And then Maul is the same thing, albeit without redemption. It's the idea of being something and then feeling betrayed and feeling like fuck the world. I'm gonna like I'm I'm gonna do what I wanna do. And, you know, at the end, I don't want to call it redemption, but, you know, spoiler alert, there's a piece about him that's like, oh, shit, okay, then we're good, <laughs> right? Even as, like, his, the guy he's been literally fantasizing about killing has killed him. He's sitting there and he's like, you know what? I'm good with dying right now. And yeah. so I'm always about the peak career arcs, and, and Ahsoka's the same. Ahsoka was idealistic and all about like this is what we're about and then the shit turned on her and she's like i can't be a part of this and then we see later on how she discovers oh i always thought the jedi were this great thing and the people the regular people are like fuck those corrupt assholes and that's that's kind of insane you know like because we're always taught as star wars people that the jedi are good and there's nothing wrong with them. But the reality is Ahsoka shows us through her story that, yo, these people are, were not liked or respected by the, the masses. There's a feeling of like they're corrupt and they're taking advantage of stuff. And even if it wasn't intentional, it was happening. What a Star Wars podcast we're having right now, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Every basketball well, I'll, fan I'll is like... In here. <laughs> I'll, I'll jump in. We'll, we'll make the clear disclosing line right here, right now that we're moving into NBA talk, but I get roasted on this show whenever we do entertainment a lot, because I'm not much of a movie or uh, like, I, I don't watch Forrest a lot of the Marvel. Really? Yeah, that's yeah. Jenna. Yeah. On, I man. can, I can see the disappointment in your eyes. I mean, and, and honestly, that's the disappointment that everybody shares with me whenever I say that to them. But it's I've, I've seen the first three star Wars movies, uh, four five and six. And then I saw one and two, but then I stopped after that. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not the best candidate. I felt like the referee in the middle of it there, but um, I'm, I'm glad that you guys could have that because I felt like, I felt like you both had to get something off your chest there. So I'm, I'm all for that. So, um, but looking at some NBA here too. So we're, we're also a star Wars podcast now, but, uh, looking at some NBA here, obviously very timely for the uh, time being here. Another thing that we all have thoughts on is the James Harden trade. And I, I feel like we could honestly just leave it at that and, and just go into a full discussion because this is blockbuster. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's well, I mean, let's start with on the Houston side where from the moment that James Harden publicly demanded a trade, which is back in, I believe, in November. And the Rockets came out and said, uh, we're we're ready for it to get uncomfortable. I said, no, you're not. No, you're not. Because in these situations, when a, a superstar has publicly demanded a trade, basically, it's only a matter of time. You got to move him. 
you gotta move him and you gotta move him as soon as possible. And this idea that you're holding out for like this elite talent to come to you is, is Pollyannic at best, right? You gotta get the best what you can do because every moment with him down the stretch is only gonna get more and more uncomfortable. Not for you, not for him, excuse me, because he doesn't care. But for you, because it's you as an organization, your general manager, your head coach, your players. All these people are dealing with this day in, with day out. It's hard to have a new coach and new players and say we're going to have a different system, a different offense, and a different culture, and you have perhaps the biggest member of the team saying I'm not with that. And so, you know, a lot of people say, oh, the Rockets aren't going to trade him this season because they're still trying to convince him. There's no convincing someone who's kind of made his feelings apparent. And I, I believe the culmination, it wasn't the beginning, it was the end, was, you know, last night where you got James Harden saying, our team isn't good enough and I've done everything I can for this city which is a very clever way of saying trade me without saying trade me, because if you say trade me, you get fined. So he kept his money there. And then you have John Wall come up and say, it's hard to do this if people aren't bought in. And so it, it wasn't a surprise to me that he got traded. I think Houston did well in terms of draft picks. I'm going to tell you right now, you had the chance to have Karis subvert for two years and you moved him. For a guy who's coming off an injury, is upset with his own team, and has an expiring contract. I'm here to tell you that ain't good GMing. It's not. Yeah, I mean, like I like Oladipo. I like him. He's a good player. He's not 100% right now. His contract is expiring, and he was on his way out of his team anyway. And to only get him for Karis Avert who I do like as a player as well, who's proven, hey, I'm pretty good with a, a nice upside, and I'm under contract. You don't have to make any decisions. Uh, you got me for a year and a half. I just felt like that was a very, if there was Karis Avert for Oladipo in the pick, I'd be like, okay, you got it. Do it. Just keep loading up. But to do it for a guy who can leave at the end of the season anyway, if he leaves and he goes to Miami, in July, what are you left with if you're Houston? You just traded Karis LeVert, who's a pretty good asset, whether you keep him or not, for nothing. Well, and I know it I know it doesn't really look like it now, but you mentioned the draft picks that Houston got. And, and do you think there's any value in those draft picks kind of down the road? Because they did kind of stockpile stuff, even though they gave up gave up a lot to get there. Yeah, it's it's all about futures, right? Like that's that's the reality if you're trading a superstar in this league. It's nice to get someone who's really good right now, but the reality is you're doing it because you're trading for futures. I'm betting, you know, they got four first-round picks, but because of the, the way the Rooney rule uh, uh, works, not the Rooney rule, excuse me. What <laughs> Jesus Christ, the Stepien rule. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when you start doing general sports. On Mad Dog Sports Radio, Series XM, <laughs> Channel 82, Friday nights, me and Zach Harper, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern. That's a plug, right? All right, yeah. So because of the Stepien rule, you're trading every other year. So when you got four of those, there's an 
implication there that this is so far in the future, it doesn't matter how good Kyrie, KD, and Harden are now, at some point they're going to be gone. That's just the way of our league. No one stays anywhere for longer than about five years or so, especially if they're not drafted by the organization, right? Sorry, free agents, doesn't quite happen. So Houston's betting on, okay, these first couple are going to be trash, but the back end, we're eating up. Because it's not just those picks every other year unprotected. It's also the pick swaps. In those uh, odd years, they get a swap. If your pick is better than my pick, then we're flip-flopping. And so, to me, I I don't have a problem with Houston's haul. That's a good haul. That's how you get it done. Um, The only thing that I I have to criticize the Rockets, I'm like, you had Karis LeVert. Why not keep them? You know, you've got a good team here, or at least the makings of a good team with uh, with Christian Wood and with uh, with uh, uh, John Wall, who looks pretty good right now. So stick with it. And here, I'm going to give you a nuclear take. Like, as a Knicks fan, it pisses me off that I continue to sit in mediocrity and at the bottom of the league. And Ryan watched me actually watch the game between Brooklyn. And like, he was laughing at me a little bit before we got in here, because all they do right now, they're just talking and it makes sense, right? Like, you know, Rick Ross got traded to Brooklyn, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, Harden, but you know, it just, you know, <laughs> like you, you have that big three and look, man, here's a nuclear take. Harden is a locker room killer. And he's going to Brooklyn and playing with another locker room killer in Kyrie. Harden, they got Dwight Howard, didn't work, right? Chris Paul, didn't work. Russ, he shipped Russ out of town. And then when he didn't get his way, boom, I'm crying. And look, you have three ball-dominant players. The only one out of those three who possibly is not ball-dominant is Kevin Durant because he can actually make the passes. But Kyrie needs the ball in their hands. Jamie needs the ball in their hands. And it's almost as if de facto we're going to make the finals because really in the East, when you look at it, there's no one in the East outside of maybe, maybe, you know, honestly, I, I really, really love what um, Charlotte's doing. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, they, they, I don't think they're going to make the finals. Whoa. Don't, don't get me wrong. I don't think they're going to make the finals, but I mean, you got like, you have three guys who I think it's just going to collapse on them by May or June. And you're going to look at a very similar situation. Like you had with Miami big, the, the big three in Miami, where they're going to have to regroup and think, hey, we need to get players going forward because we, we need to work well together. And James, it look, it's not he's not playing with KD in OKC. He, he's playing with Jane. He's playing with KD in Brooklyn, and they're two completely different players from when they played the first time. So, Ryan, I'm going to need you to, to tell me, do you want me to be devil's advocate or do you want me to be a kind of supportive of what you said? I'm thinking to be devil's advocate. That's what I'm always looking for. I agree. Okay, so devil's advocate. I don't think James is a locker room cancer. I think he's a guy who does, like many NBA players, exactly what he's enabled to do. And so in a situation where there is strong leadership and, and clearly a pecking order, he'll fall in line because he's not confrontational. He's not Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler doesn't like what's happening. He's going to tell everybody from the owner to the general manager to the head coach to his teammates, fuck you, this ain't right. Harden's not that. Harden's a guy who's going to go along to get along. 
until he's he's not bought in and then and then he does what he's doing right now. And so Durant looks awesome to start this season, right? I mean, like I don't think anyone can argue this is probably one of the best, other than John Wall, one of the best Achilles recoveries we've ever seen. Um it's not hard for Harden to walk in. It's like, I know I've been MVP voting, top five, whatever, but I came here to play with Durant. He's real, right? And so I don't think, and, and there are reports, obviously, I don't know whether they're true or not. I don't know whether they're sincere or not, right? But the reports are Harden has expressed to Steph Curry to other people over the years, I don't want to play this way. I don't want to be a ball-dominant guy. I want to play like the Warriors do, where the ball moves, and I'm just playing basketball. And so maybe those reports are untrue. Maybe Harden is being not so genuine, right? Like he says that, but he's not really about that life when it hits him. Either way, I do believe when he walks into a locker room with a healthy Kevin Durant, he's like, yeah, that motherfucker's better than me. I'm not going to argue that one, right? The flip side is, it's not about Durant. It really is more about Kyrie. Between Kyrie and Harden, who are, I would say, comparable talents, is someone ready and willing to be Chris Bosh, to be Kevin Love, to say, I know I'm really good. I'm good enough to be the best on a good team, but I defer to y'all. We know from Kyrie that's been an issue in the past. He played with the greatest player they gave LeBron James at a time when he was like literally like legit elite, legit the best. And Kyrie had problems with that. Similarly, Harden has been the best player on his team in the last eight years, right? And everyone who's been brought in, whether it's Dwight, Chris Paul, or, or Russell Westbrook, they've all been subservient. And the thing that uh, we had uh, Dwight... Um, Derek Powell, who's an agent, put this the best way. There's a difference between how many shots I take and how many shots I get. How many shots I take indicates I have the freedom to shoot as many times as I want. 15, 35. It's up to me. I can read how the defense is playing me, and maybe maybe I'll take less tonight. But at the end of the day, it's my decision. How many shots I get? Something else, whether it's another player or the offense overall, is dictating the shots I get. Everyone has a, a, a good time with shots I take. It takes a special kind of someone to adjust to shots I get, especially as a superstar. And what Harden and Kyrie are going to have to adjust to, that literally they've never had to adjust to any time in their careers, is, or for Harden since he's left Oklahoma City, is how many shots I get. Right. Um, and I, I make the jokes about the weight jokes, uh, but, um, you know, James, way he's looking at a chunk in the uniform lately. Have either of you guys watched the Tiger Woods uh, documentary on HBO? Yeah, it's a hit piece. Okay. So, you know, the part where they're talking about uh, Phil Mickelson, and they say literally the whole Woods family was like, Mickelson is the enemy, down to the mama. You know, Mama Woods was like, his nickname is Lefty. She called him Hefty, right? I, James Harden right now, he's, he's not a Lefty. He's a Hefty. 
Yeah, well, it, it certainly is. It certainly is. You know, I, I'm not going to joke about weight because I'm not the first person to to jump in line for that. Because no, uh, no, Ryan, Ryan, I'm gonna turn say, around at me. Ryan, Ryan, let me say this right now to you, <laughs> Ryan. Are you suiting up for an NBA game tonight? Uh, no, I sat on my couch and ate chips and salsa and watched then, hockey. Then fuck <laughs> it. That's, that's my point. It's like you can't compare me to people who play in the NBA because guess what? I'm not trying to play in there. Now, if I tried and I failed, make fun of me. I'm not even trying. I know the deal. We're not NBA players. I'm not talking about my ability to play this game. I'm talking about your ability to play this game. And Harden is an amazing talent. He gets 35 in his sleep if he wants to. But also, we can say he's not in shape. That's not elite shape. That's not even for him, for his particular style of play. He's not in shape that there's no shame in that. I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for that. <laughs> hey, super, super quick. I mean, uh, we thank you for your time. Um, <laughs> uh, I, actually the, uh, the meeting time on, on my zoom is, <laughs> is running out because I, I don't, under six. Uh, We're I, under six. I, I don't pay for, for the, uh, the premium version. The so I, I got a quick question for you. We're on okay. the clock here. Um, the Ninja warrior, man. Yeah. What's the question? <laughs> Are you What's ever, the question? Is, is, is Dan now he's going to ask you about being yeah, an yeah. athlete. <laughs> is, is Dan and Stu ever, ever going to stop making fun of you for that? Because I feel like they're either going to rip you for that for the end of time or your take, which was uh, pretty incredible. The, the Cleveland Warriors take uh, from, from many years ago when they were down 3-1. I shy, I shy away from nothing. It's all part of the show. That's the show. Do you get the show? If you get the show, then yes. They will make fun of me at the end of time about both those things. And that's what that's what the show is about. Just like Dan said that Tom Brady was done. <laughs> yeah. Seven years and two Super Bowl championships ago, right? Just like Stugatz chastised the, uh, what is it, the Cubs ownership for treating uh, Sammy Sosa so bad after they made so much money on him. And uh, he was corrected that, no, they actually bought it way after Sammy Sosa stopped playing. Like, that's the show. And if you are someone who's on that show and you catch feelings about things like that, guess what? In the words of Poppy, you don't get the show. Bang, with that little gong. Like, I get the show. That's why I'm here. And and I'm on the show. I'm going to fight it. I'm going to give all the accurate rebuttals that are available to me. But I get, I exist in this moment when it happens. I exist to be fodder. And that's what makes the show great was that we, Billy talks too much. Chris is an oaf. Mike is a music snob. Roy uh, has the best mic and talks the least, right? Stugatz is Stugatz. Cody is incompetent. Dan is uh, like cries too much. That's the show. And everyone on the show has a character to play that is detrimental to themselves unless you understand that's the show. Yeah. Well, I love that. Well, it's, it's a great performance. None, nonetheless, you know, again, no, no one's going to judge you on being an athlete. And I'm, I'm again, I'm not going to be the fucking first person platform move. The platform move. I don't give a shit if you're, if you're Vince Carter, you cannot jump <laughs> forward. If the platform is going under you, I'm just gonna say that right now. People train for that stuff for years and, and, and they still, still fail. Fall off of it. Still fail so, on the first one. I, I, you know I didn't even stretch. I didn't even stretch. <laughs> it comes Randy Moss in here to say I didn't even stretch before I tried to jump off a platform. I love that. 
But um, again, I mean, we, we really do appreciate you hopping on here and talking some sports and some Star Wars with us. Um, as, as you go about everything on your show, around all your colleagues, friends, family, hope that you continue to stay safe. Um, hope everything works out well for you. Again, stay safe. And hopefully we'll talk to you again down the road with some more uh, Star Wars and NBA breaking news. And next time we'll talk, we'll talk more than just one, one topic of NBA, because, and I'll pay for the premium version on Zoom, I promise. Look, I mean, we talked a lot of NBA. Don't get, a stri- don't get it twisted, first of all. Second of all, we talked a lot about Star Wars, which has a bigger audience than NBA. Third of all, hey, man, like anytime I can go on a show and it's really easy me- for me to remember the names of both my co-hosts, that's a win. So I say, thank you, Ryan. I'm out. Thank you. Yeah. He ripped on my Boba Fett tat. I just stayed out of the way. I, I just stayed out of the way where you, because look, when we were off air and he's like, whenever he's like, Boba Fett's a terrible character. After you showed him your tattoo, I was like, well, let's just hit record and I'm going to be quiet for the next, you know, 15 minutes while you two battle this one out. I'm glad though he uh, he um, is in support of my next two um, uh, Star Wars tats uh, for my Star Wars sleeve. Um, I, I think I'll, I think I'll go full sleeve. Yeah, have yeah. to. I, I'm I say I say go for it. I say go for it. But yeah, that definitely took an unexpected and unexpected turn at the beginning. But I'm, I'm glad that you guys could hash that out and find some common ground in there. I think the next time we'll have him on uh, Star Wars Day. We'll do it. We'll do a special Star Wars Day episode, May fourth. Maybe that's not even a Tuesday or Friday, but we'll, we'll have him on for Star Wars Day. We'll discuss at least at Star Wars Day, and then yeah, maybe we'll talk playoffs. I don't know. You know, <laughs> that seemed to be an afterthought. You know, when we when we were having an NBA interview, that that kind of just went half and half. But I but, hey, but like he said though, let's not get it twisted. We did talk NBA. We and did, we, and uh, you know. I admitted to him though that uh, you know I don't have the premium version of Zoom, so uh, we we had uh, we were on the clock there at the end. Yeah, which is okay. We're we're still young in this. We're we're making it. Yeah, we are. Um, so <clears throat> divisional weekend, it's here. Um, how you feeling? How you feeling about divisional weekend? NFL playoffs overall are not always as exciting like say hockey playoffs. But those two days, I feel consumed in football because I watch everything so closely. And it is, a, it is a glorious and fantastic feeling. I love playoff football, and I'm ready for it. It's going to be um, – I think it's going to be a fun weekend. Yeah, I like divisional weekend. Um, you got college basketball sprinkled in there throughout the day before, before the games, right? And then, you know, it, divisional weekend, though, as great of a weekend it is, let's, let's not get it you know, flipped upside down here. There's only four games where on week 17, you know, every team's playing, right? Even if they're in the tank. And March Madness is the greatest weekend in all of sports. The first weekend of March Madness, oh. if, if you are not watching college basketball wall to wall until your eyes are red because you're tired and you're, you can't go to sleep because a game is on until 1.30 in the morning and Michigan's hitting a shot to beat a team with a three – at the end of regulation, you don't know what, what real sports is because March Madness is as close to a sports perfection as it can get. I don't know how it was in, in high school for you, but I want to shout out all the teachers that let us watch college basketball Thanks. March Madness weekend because they were also understanding the fact that it was the best weekend in sports. 
Yeah, one time uh, one of my teachers said uh, they weren't going to put it on unless uh, I, I stopped talking. So for the next 10 minutes, I stopped talking. And, uh, you know, th then I was just talking about the game and, and uh, I, I got uh, put, put out uh, on, on uh, detention duty there. So. So is that like the is that like the general rule of thumb? Like because I talk all the time if, if I'm obviously we do a podcast, so we're we're professional talkers, but yeah. even off this, I like to talk. So I, I like that rule. I've, I've heard that before. Shut up and we'll do this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but L.A., Green Bay, man, it, uh, it's crazy how, how a season for a team can go up and down and up and down. And what I find fascinating about the Rams is we've talked about it before. They play to Sean McVay just adjusts to whatever it is. And I feel like he's going to have a game plan where Green Bay could still win this game. Obviously, you know, they're the number one seed. But Green Bay also, to me, has this kind of the little bit of feeling that they did the last time they were the one seed in the playoffs and they had a home field advantage where they got bounced in the first game. And I don't know, there's something mysterious of it being at Lambeau, no fans, um, going to hear fake crowd noise. I don't actually buy into the whole teams from the South or the West can't play in cold weather. I think that's just a stupid narrative to tell you the truth. I think the only time it ever actually mattered was Peyton Manning for whatever odd reason, the guy could not play in the cold, but I don't know. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, 48 touchdowns on the season. He'll win the MVP. It's a toss up. Actually. I feel like it's a toss up. I feel like it, it's not as, as, um, lopsided as people think i mean right now green Bay's a two touchdown favorite they, it doesn't feel that way it feels like the way la stifled seattle last week they can do that again yeah so the the one thing that i look at that i think is going to be a clear advantage and i, I understand that you you're not necessarily buying into the cold weather narrative and, and i i respect that but for this game i am and it's actually not because of you know just the old overarching narrative i'm doing it because of jared goff specifically and the reason i'm i'm saying that is is because jared goff with john walford being out jared goff is going to start and jared goff's thumb injury is still prominent in this game which we assume that it will be his thumb's going to be frozen up i mean that that's going to be a that's going to be tough for him to do that with a with what is essentially a frozen hand We've all been outside before in, in cold weather and your hands get all locked up and such. And imagine trying to throw up a, a, a basically a frozen rock at, at that point at that time. So the, the good news is that L.A. is more of a rushing team anyway. So they might be able to counter that a little bit. But I think that Green Bay will counter that back and just stack the box and say, well, you're going to have to beat us now throwing the ball, which which could be troublesome to them. But L.A.'s defense is still one of the best in the league. And I don't think they're talked about enough as good as they are, which is kind of crazy. Um, it's just the way that it is. Top in total points, um, tops in total points per game, uh, you know, near the top of pretty much all major defensive categories and top in passing yards and pass yards per game too. So they're going to put a little bit of a stifle on Aaron Rodgers. And the matchup that I'm actually interested to see the most is Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey. 
that that is a matchup that I that I have not heard much about this week, but you can almost bet that Jalen Ramsey is going to follow him across the field wherever he goes, and we're really going to see who the superior talent is. Aaron Rodgers has the ability to find whoever he wants on the field, but stifling their top receiver could really make a difference. I agree. I think it'll be closer than the two touchdowns spread that were given, but uh, I think Green Bay still comes out on top because they just have too much firepower. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be a great game. I, I, I totally, you know, didn't even think about the thumb, how that will, will be affected in, in the cold. Um, look, both both teams can't run the ball, though. Uh, neither team has a running back that even if you told me that guy was on Green Bay or that guy was on L.A., I wouldn't even know. Um, I think L.A. has a guy named Henderson. Um, you know, they, they both have no-name running backs that, that they just throw the ball all the time. Um, this is a this is a hot take for the uh, Green Bay Packers fans for Aaron Jones, who um, I believe rushed for a thousand yards this year. Did he not? Am I crazy? I don't think Maybe I'm crazy. I don't think so. Um, yeah, one thousand one hundred and four yards, Aaron Jones. Okay. All right. Wow. Okay. So they have a running back that ran for a thousand. I just <clears throat> didn't even pay attention to him because Aaron Rodgers slings it. Historically, though, we we understand that Green Bay's rushing. Probably back to about a Mon Green is not is not a stellar group of of guys. Um, game on Saturday. It's going to be the game on Saturday, not the game of the weekend, but going to be the best game on Saturday. Baltimore Buffalo. I think Buffalo smacks them in the mouth. Buffalo is such a good team, and look, Lamar. Look, he he makes he makes me eat my words, right? He's he's uh, you know. I'm just a lowly podcaster. He doesn't know that I'm even talking, you know, criticism on him. But look, the guy is going to play a stout Buffalo defense who, while they did give up 24 points to Indianapolis, you look at that game, not as close as the score indicates at times because they played out of their mind. Josh Allen, 37 touchdowns on the season. I I really love, and I've talked about it over and over, right? I actually think Buffalo is going to make the Super Bowl. And here's why. Josh Allen what he's doing when he runs the ball fun little fun little nugget for you out of the quarterbacks that were drafted in that class sam josh rosen uh allen lamar and baker who do you think has the most rushing touchdowns i mean you would you would say lamar because that makes sense but i feel like it's probably josh allen you are correct it is josh allen so josh allen can do both things it's not He's not um, Lamar Jackson, who's a quarterback, can run and, you know, throws at times. Yeah, Lamar did win the MVP last year, and he threw for a bunch of touchdowns. But I don't really think he holds up longevity. I feel like he's very, you know, option-type quarterback-ish. You know what I mean? Like, they're good in the short term, but they're not good long term. And Josh Allen's the complete opposite. Josh Allen's been making plays this season. He's been making throws. He's been making runs. They got great running. They got great uh, offense with Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs. I mean, you can go on down the list. That offensive line is unfreaking believable of how many non-sacks they're giving up. It's just a very, very good team. And I think Buffalo is going to see their team in the Super Bowl. And we'll see who they play but I think they're going to get there. Yeah. So I'm actually touting this one as my game of the week. 
because I think this is probably going to be the best matchup of two teams personally. Um, look, I think this game is, is certainly going to be one in, in one aspect, and that's going to be Buffalo's ability to stop the run and Baltimore's ability to run. Because Baltimore is the best rushing team in the NFL this year, um, 236 yards a game. And Buffalo, uh, fairly middle of the road when you talk about it. They're giving up 119, which is is not great. It's not the worst. So there's there's going to have to be some room to budge. But I think the other big story about this, too, and you touched on it, is Josh Allen. So you're going to see a, a game of two quarterbacks that feel like they have something to prove here because Josh Allen wants to prove his doubters wrong, right? He won his first playoff game. You're like, okay, like this guy can finally do it. But you know who else won his first playoff game? Lamar Jackson. And, and both of these guys played good teams. I, I think the Titans better than the Colts. But I think both of these guys won very tough games and, and they're ready for it. And look, the Ravens are the Ravens are coming on hot here. I know that you mentioned earlier in the show a couple of weeks back that they wouldn't make the playoffs and they, they literally just ran right past your take because that's, that's what they've been doing the last few weeks is just running the ball all over people and, and taking it to them. But the other element to that is, is the Ravens defense. And I think the matchup to watch in this game personally is going to be how the Ravens pressure Josh Allen. And if they're able to make him throw, get into some bad throws and, and do some, um, not so ideal things because if that's the case the Ravens can win this game I, I think the Ravens could upset Buffalo I think if they're able to pressure Josh Allen and the reason I say that is, is because we've seen Josh Allen do it we've seen Josh Allen make some bad throws and we've seen him do some less than ideal things in situations I mean think back to uh, the Texans playoff game last year but I don't know I think I think Baltimore's coming in hot here I think Buffalo is the better team but uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked on Saturday night if, if we come out with a, with a Baltimore team in the AFC championship game either. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think they have enough. I, I don't think they have enough. But, hey, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. That's why we play the game. That's, that's why we play the game. Um, no, no Madden simulations here. Um, <laughs> Cleveland, Kansas City, I, I feel happy for the city of Cleveland. I feel happy uh, – for the Browns, I feel bad they're playing Kansas City. <laughs> um, they're, they're going into a buzzsaw. And look, I, I've seen some, you know, I've seen some teams in my day, obviously, that have been fantastic and get shellacked in the playoffs. Baltimore was 14 and two last year, okay? And Tennessee walked in there. Tennessee, to play devil's advocate, Cleveland has that same formula runs the ball really well, solid defensive line. Baker makes plays. Baker makes plays. And I would love to see an upset. I really would. I I don't think it can happen, though. I, I think Kansas City's offense, it's like you, you basically put everyone on the team and made them 99 speed and 99 overall like Tyreek Hill are you kidding me Sammy Watkins he still has something Travis Kelsey are you kidding me Clyde Edwards Hilaire are you kidding me I mean that team you just go on their offense and you forget that they have a very nice defensive side of the ball with Tyron Matthew hello he's still back there you know so I'd love to see Cleveland upset them I don't think it's going to happen um and, and you want to talk about bullet 
bulletin board material. I was watching uh, NFL mic'd up and, uh, you know, the Browns uh, were saying to your during the Steelers game, your, your Steelers uh, were just the same old Browns. So, um, you know, people that said that Juju gave them bulletin board material, I think it ate at them a little bit. Do you remember the Steelers games that I picked with my heart? Uh, yeah, you're, you're, uh, you're picking them to go 16 and 0. Brian, I'm going to have to go with my heart again here. I'm going to, I'm going to have to ride with Pittsburgh on this one. Yeah, just reminding everybody that I, I didn't pick against Pittsburgh all season. I'll get better about that. But, um, do you remember, I guess this was 2018 Rose Bowl game, Georgia and Oklahoma. Yeah. That's what this game's going to be. It's gonna be it's gonna be a shootout. Double OT. <laughs> it, it might not be a double overtime game, but it is gonna be it's gonna be a shootout, and and I think some of that is gonna come from the fact that Kansas City's in the bottom half of the league and running defense. So I don't know if they're gonna be able to stop the run, but then they're gonna have to commit to the run, and then if they commit to the run, Baker Mayfield can hurt them too. Baker Mayfield's not Patrick Mahomes. I don't think anyone's gonna try to make that argument, and if you do, you might be a Browns fan, but. I don't – Baker can play in a shootout. Baker can throw the ball. I think people forget that. They've built this offense around the running game, and they've they've built it around their ability to run the ball. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are fantastic players. The Chiefs' defense is, is not – is clearly not their strength. And, and when you build around the offensive side of the ball, you're going to have to be built to score points because your defense is going to give up points. That's why I think Kansas City will win this game in a shootout. I wouldn't be surprised to see this as like a similar final score as the Steelers game uh, last week with Cleveland. It'll just be one of those kind of back and forth games. But I think Kansas City ultimately comes out on top. They're the better team. But I, I wouldn't be shocked to see this one back and forth throughout and, and Cleveland in it for most of the game. Over under how many times they bring up the fact that they played Texas, uh, they played each other at Texas Tech and Oklahoma in that 70 to 63 game. Uh, give me a give me a number here. Give me a line on it. Uh, three. Three. Uh, it'll be over three. On the on the whole broadcast, it'll probably be over three. And I wouldn't even be surprised if they threw out like a highlight or like a like a handshake from when those two like you know probably shuck hands you know uh, at at the uh, middle of the field there. The oh end. yeah. Oh, 100 percent. They'll they'll be the they'll be the college highlight. Uh, the shake, and then they'll do the game that they played against each other. They'll come back to it. Uh, inevitably, the announcer will mention it again. Well, that's like the play Baker made whenever. Right, right. So I'm, I'm, I'll give it probably four or five. Wouldn't even put it past me if because these two guys are playing, some Kansas City Chiefs fan in the stands, like in their limited capacity, has like a Patrick Mahomes Texas Tech jersey that he's wearing um, because of them playing each other in college. Do you think we could see a Baker Oklahoma jersey then? Or is that going to be less? I mean, I, I understand less the games. Like, less Kansas likely City. because of Kansas City. Yeah, less likely because of Kansas City. Because um, they're they're an underrated fan base too. They are. They are. Um, we have uh, the grandfather time uh, versus uh, the the, uh, the great grandfather of time. The great grandfather of time, who uh, it seems like one <laughs> the older he gets. Uh, he ages like a fine wine. The uh, the other one, it feels like the older he gets, uh, he's shrinking down like Benjamin Button. Um, you know, ah, Tom Brady, New Orleans, Sunday, 
I mean, do you need to say anything else? It's going to be the last time. And here's an over-under. How many times the last time they say, is this Drew's last game or this is going to be the last time these guys probably face each other? I, I, I put that at four. Oh, I think it'll be more than that too, just especially given this game. I mean, let, let's let's talk about here for a second, not even necessarily about the game. How lucky have we been as sports fans in this era to grow up and watch Tom Brady against Peyton Manning? Regardless of what side of that rivalry you're on, you can be a Patriots fan, you can be a Colts or Broncos fan, you can be neutral, it doesn't matter. But how lucky were we to see that rivalry as many times as we did of, of two of probably the best five quarterbacks in NFL history. Pretty incredible. And it's pretty incredible that Tom Brady, the older he gets, the better he looks. I really do hope that this is his last year though. I don't want to see him play a year too long and be like, Oh my gosh, he's having the Peyton Manning type of like, he's throwing ducks out there and he's laying, he's just laying, you know, and, and Drew Brees is having that this year. You know, I, right. I, I think Drew's going to retire. I, I really do. Um, you know, I have a feeling he won't, he doesn't feel like um, even with the injury, right. I feel like he feels like he's not playing to the standard that he's used to over his long career. And I wouldn't be surprised if he hangs it up. Um, I, I'm very excited. I, you know, one thing that I can't wait to take away from this game is people that say, Oh my gosh, look how good Leonard Fournette looks. Leonard Fournette doesn't look good. Leonard Fournette is a role player on a good team. There's a difference. The, the, the strength for Tampa is the three, the three headed monster of Godwin, Mike Evans. And ironically, I can't even believe I'm I mentioning his name still Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some weird connection he has with those receivers as the seasons developed. And if it's Tampa Bay versus green Bay next week, Oh <laughs> my goodness. Or if it's Drew versus – either way, if it's Aaron Rodgers versus Drew or Tom, we're going to have an instant classic because Aaron Rodgers doesn't have much, you know, career years left either, I don't think. There is there is a part of me, though, and this is absolutely no disrespect to Drew Brees. I, I, am, I love Drew Brees, too, and, and this is nothing against him. But just in a, in a personal note – you know, think of all the snow games you saw Tom Brady play and how much you see those like played back over time. And, you know, for better or for worse, I know the tuck rule game is, is in the snow and, and people feeling different about that. But picture for me this, a light snowfall in Lambeau Field at the tail end of January watching Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady potentially play their last game against each other and I mean, one that you may not have even thought you'd get to see unless it was in the Super Bowl before because of where the where Tom Brady was at. But I I just feel like that's something that I need to see before I go because this is we're in really nice quarterback territory here in the NFC. I realize the AFC is a little bit more of the up and comers uh, when, when you talk about Josh Allen and, and Baker and uh, Lamar Jackson, but. The, the classic quarterback side is really on the NFC and, and for just NFL fans in general, save for the moment, because you're not going to see this, this type of classic matchup again for a while. Now we're going to start to develop these rivalries on, honestly, I'd like to see a, like a Lamar and Josh Allen type deal where like the Lamar and Baker being in the same division, that'll be fun to watch, but 
for, for this backside of history, appreciate what you're going to see on Sunday. And then, of course, if the Packers move on, regardless of who moves on in this game, appreciate it one more time because you're probably never going to see it again. Yeah, and I, it wouldn't, wouldn't it be ironic if uh, whoever wins the Tampa Bay-New Orleans game, they host, especially if, we, if it's Tampa Bay, and Green Bay loses, and Tom Brady gets to hold another conference championship game in a stadium that he's playing for, just like all the years he did in New England. That would be irony at its best. That's, I mean, again, I, I know there are fans out there that feel indifferent about Tom Brady and, and fans that don't like him because he beat their teams for many years. I'm sure Colts fans and many Steelers fans don't like him, but Man, it's hard not to respect that dude and, and what he did in New England and you know, now could potentially do in Tampa Bay. Um, Monday morning headlines. Um, you know, the, the little segment that we have here. Uh, Monday morning headlines, I got, um, I got two again. I ironically got two. I didn't even plan that. Uh, Monday morning hand, headlines. <sighs> Tom Brady. He's, uh, he's a fine wine, gets better with age. Um, Tampa Bay beats New Orleans 24-17. My other headline, college basketball. What are we doing? Question mark. Uh, look, we understand that games were going to be postponed, but we, we're, we're getting in the nitty-gritty now um, tor- towards the middle of January, in, end of January, and that's when you really need to have teams – either make stricter protocols or do something different because March Madness is not very far off and conference tournament play is not very far off. It's two months down the road, but it'll be here before you know it. And, you know, it's, it's interesting what's happening in college basketball. Yeah, that's, that's very true. We can't afford to have the tournament canceled two years in a row. That's, that would be miserable. Um, So I actually have a couple Uh, Number one, this has been a topic throughout pretty much the entire episode today, but um, James Harden is going to dominate his Nets debut tomorrow night and score at least 30 points. Uh, I think that's, I think that's going to happen. I I realize that some of this is he's coming here to be a more off the ball player and he doesn't have to be a playmaker, but uh, I think he's going to prove himself with, with 30 points. Now, regardless how the rest of the season goes, I, I think his first game at least comes in and he's dominant. Um, I also have a, a visual on this headline. Um, think about think about looking into the Buffalo Bills stadium and picking out, and I hate to keep talking about this because it sounds sad, but picking out crying fans is, is that Buffalo is going to be going to the AFC championship game. And, and I think that's so exciting for the city of Buffalo because that city, I, I can't think of a, a run where you make four straight Super Bowls and lose all four of them that has to be more miserable than what Buffalo experienced during that time. So for those fans who were alive during that and have suffered through the almost 30 years since that's happened, I'm not advocating for seeing tears, but I think we're going to see some tears on Sunday whenever they ultimately beat Baltimore and make the title. Um, One quick flashback headline though. Can you imagine sitting in a, sitting in a press room back in the year 2001 I suppose it is now. So we're going to throw it back 20 years and say that uh, the NFC divisional round is going to feature the Chargers quarterback, Drew Brees, and New England's backup quarterback, Tom Brady. 
will be starting an NFC championship game 20 years from now. AFC. AFC, Yeah. So starting a, starting a championship game and and two different teams, mind you too, the NFC, both of them move out of the AFC, but starting a championship game 20 years later, that's quite absurd. But uh, also one other quick headline I wanted to bring up to you from yesterday. Uh, I know you're not a big baseball card guy, but there's uh, been a big, jump in baseball cards throughout the pandemic and that's part of the sports world in a sense uh this is actually a headline so i just want to get your quick instant reaction for it we set the record for the most expensive baseball card ever sold again yesterday it's the second time it's happened in less than a year Uh, a 1952 mickey mantle sold for 5.2 million dollars at an auction the other day and uh would would you pay 5.2 million dollars for a baseball card no. That's that's about as simple as it gets. I, yeah. I I completely understand. I have this conversation with some of my friends all the time because I, I am a collector myself and I I can't even imagine spending like a thousand dollars on a card and these people are just like, Yeah, here's five point two mil. So Yeah, the only thing that means to me is someone's rich and they you know sold something that I might be able to find on, uh, you know, eBay for like 20 bucks. Right. Where it's like the real thing or, or fraud or whatever. Um, so, I mean, look, we, we have more guests coming up. We've had a busy week ourselves off air, uh, setting up a bunch of stuff that's coming up in the future. But Ryan, if they want to find any of this out, if they want to listen to our episodes, if they want to follow us, how can they do all those things? Well, if you're listening to our episodes, you're likely doing it on Apple or Spotify, or you found us on Acast, but make sure you are subscribed to our podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever your podcast hosting preference is, subscribe so you never miss an episode. Also, just leave a quick rating. It literally takes two seconds to do it. You scroll down to the bottom, you find where it says leave a rating, just hit the five stars and you're done. That's all that it takes. So make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're leaving a rating, but also you're following us on social media too. So you see some of our memes, some of our predictions and some of our one-off breaking news events. So you're going to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and on all of those platforms, you can find us at Two Ryan Sports Show. So again, that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Two Ryan Sports Show. Follow, like, subscribe, rate, show love, comment, do everything. We want to interact with you guys. So We'll see you soon on social media. Yeah, and we'll see everyone on Tuesday. Yep, we'll see you all then.